0: hello and welcome back to another episode of whole and complete podcast i am your host dr Shantay, and whole and complete is all about faith and wellness loving god and living well and i'm so excited for today's guest because y'all just don't know you know black girl magic actually happens across these social media airwaves it be happening in these streets I am an Olympic enthusiast like I'm I will do the face paint I will do the stickers I will do glitter on my elbows every four years when it's time for the Olympics like it is on my bucket list to get to the Olympics one day and this all started back in the 80s so I'm dating myself y'all this started back in the 80s when I I watched Mary Lou Retton and, and the gymnastics team and I was like just so smitten and taken. And I was so bummed that this only happened every four years. And so you can imagine with all the things that the COVID took away from us in 2020, my little hurt feelings (laughs) when uh, COVID had also taken away the Olympics. But of course it was for the best and safety first and all of those things. And this is how I actually came to find our guest for today. It was watching her. I watched, so I don't just watch the Olympics, y'all. I like, i watch the Olympic trials. I want to know who the people are, who am I rooting for before we even get to the games. And that is how I came across our guest for today, Michelle, who is an Olympic gold medalist in the shop put. And here is the best part of all. She found me. She actually listens to this podcast and actually shares it on her her platform. So welcome to Whole and Complete, Michelle. Yes. Thank you for having me. Wait, did I say Clark? I meant Carter. There's a famous educator, Michelle Clark. And like, and it's, and every time I say that I, with a Michelle C, it's like in my neural pathway. Carter, y'all. So let me, came on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. And we are less than 100 days out from the Olympic yes. Games. And so let's, let's just roll the tape back a little bit because we've been talking about perseverance and resilience and coming out. Sometimes you're just in so long that you get used to being in that place. And so when it, it starts to come time to come out, it can be a little jarring. And so it seems like we're coming out of this pandemic not tomorrow, but it definitely seems like it's on the horizon. And we have been sheltering in place and we've been kind of like readjusting our lives in so many ways that I don't think we're going back to quote unquote normal because there's just so much loss and trauma and things like that, that you can't just go back into work and act like that didn't happen. But before we get there, let's just, let's roll the tape back to when you Found out or that it was looking like the Olympics weren't going to happen, like I know you were training, yeah. you were ready, you you know were in the middle of the qualifying process and things like that, and then what happened? What are the things that started to percolate in your life?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, I was just living my good old life, minding my own business, training, not paying attention to what's going on in the world. And then I remember one day after practice, I get a text message from my friend, like, Michelle, you know they just canceled the NBA. I was like, for what? It was like, there's this virus and they, the NBA season is canceled. I was like, wait a minute. I said, they canceled the NBA. I said, they're canceling the Olympics. And it was like, no, they're not. Like, they wouldn't do that. I said, you know how much money is in the NBA? I'm like, if they did that, I said, we're next. I said, that's going to happen. And then that day, I turned on the news and I started watching what all was going on. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what are we supposed to do? I said, well, right now we don't know anything. They haven't said anything. I just have to continue to train until they do. And then next thing you know, like, Texas shuts down. And I'm at home. I'm at home for a week. I'm at home for two weeks. I'm at home for a month. And I'm like, hold on. Mm. We don't have to talk about this. This is going to be a real thing. And that's when the um, the talks started coming about. They start calling certain athletes. And I'm on the board for USATF. so. I got a phone call like, hey, this is what's going on. This might be happening. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm all for it because we don't know. <laughs> I'm like, we should just stop because the, to me, the worst thing that could happen is someone go over there, get sick and die. Then what are we going to do? Like, that's horrible. So um, after about like two months, we realized that, okay, this is going on. And right now I can't control what's going on out there. I just have to focus on the things that I control. So for about like a good month to two months, I really was just on the couch watching TV, watching the news constantly. Mm. And then I realized like Michelle, you got to stop this. We got to figure out what's going to be our next best steps. Cause I was enjoying my time off cause I don't get time off. But I realized like, okay, this is going to the extreme. We got to figure this out. So let me piggyback
0: on a couple of things that you said here. One of the things is, okay, sis, for being on the USA track and field board. Okay, I see you. I just, that, y'all see she just rolled that flex in there and then just brought it right on back. She's like, because I'm on the board. um, So, yes, of course, safety first because to do all of this work and all of this training and then get over there with this debilitating lung disease that was mm-hmm. killing people. And it's so... You know, it, I guess we can kind of laugh about it now, but not really. But there was like a joke at one point last year. They was like, oh, ain't no Black people got it. Ain't no Black people catching it. And yeah. lo and behold, Black people end up being the number one population, older Black Americans that were just dying in waves from from COVID. And so now you get an opportunity to kind of like sit on your couch. So it sounds like training took a, a backseat.
1: Yeah, training did take a backseat because now, like at this point in time, from what we're seeing, your life is in danger if you leave your house.
0: Right. <laughs> say everything. Say then just training took a backseat. Everything, <laughs> back everything took a backseat.
1: Everything took a backseat. I'm at home. My parents like don't go outside the house. Don't open your windows. Don't open your door for nobody. Go to the store. Drink you didn't know, and we had to over-prepare because there was like all this uncertainty and no one knew for sure. So you just had to play it safe and everything took a backseat as long as everybody was safe and, and healthy.
0: Your parents was like, "Had your kids, Had your husband, Had your dog because <laughs> it's out here in these streets. Okay, so you come to like the, the, the reality, the Olympics is canceled. So now they have made the official announcement that they are going to postpone to 2021. So, what is your thought process at that point? Because you thinking that your year is gonna look one way, and now your year is gonna look a different way. And I'm in a so I have a physical trainer right now. So I've been y'all, I've been in the gym behind the scenes, just trying to work on you know my own.
1: Yes, you have. I've been watching you on Instagram. Yes, you have. Thank you. And
0: um. But you do. But here's what I know about that. You make a lot of sacrifices. So it's not pina coladas and walks in the rain. I'm gonna tell you that right now. It's, you know, you're like, ooh, oh, twelve hundred calories. My God. Mm, only 60 macros of carbs. OK, well, then, you know, so I I know that it that's training is sacrificial. And so you do all that training, you know, you've made all those sacrifices and now it's not going to lead where you thought it, it was. And now it looks like there's going to be another year of training that you're going to have to do. So tell me about just the mental hurdles that you had to, no pun intended, the mental hurdles that you're jumping over to just kind of recalibrate yourself in terms of my life was going to look one way and now it was starting to look like it's going to look a very different way. How are you making those adjustments mentally?
1: Yes. At first I kept thinking like, okay, we're going to have the Olympics and this virus is going on the way way that it is do I even want to go to the Olympics at this point? Is it going to be worth mm-hmm. for me to even go? Because I'm like, if I risk the chance of getting myself sick or getting my family sick, because my dad is my coach and he gets sick and I don't want him to die. So it's like, at this point, is it worth it? I'm like, thank God I went to three already and got a medal. I don't have to be so pressed. But um, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, Michelle, why are we thinking about things that we don't even know an answer to that I can't even control? And so I was like, you know what? Whatever news I get on this day, we're going to do according to what the news that I do know. And that's how I was making decisions, because thinking too far in advance and trying to figure out something that I'm not even in the equation when they really are thinking about the decisions. I'm worrying myself to death. So I just took it one day at a time. And I already know that for me, God already has it all mapped out. He has it all mapped out. Why am I stressed about something that he already know? I just have to make the best decision with what I know. And that's all I have to do until he redirects me in another path. So that's kind of where I I fell back onto because you can get caught up in the rabbit hole thinking, well, I did all this and I did all that. Like, yeah, but at the end of the day, God is in control. So why I'm worried, if I go, if I don't go, if I make it, if I don't make it, he already said it. I just have to wait till he tells me. (laughs)
0: Michelle, don't make me pull out the tambourine on you, (laughs) y'all. Don't make me pull out the pink tambourine on you. And and listeners, this is important because I think a lot of times, especially when you have time on your hands, okay, and now you you are not as busy as you used to be and things like that, you can go down that mental rabbit hole. And you can start spinning out about all kinds of things. And we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened during this pandemic because I know I'm not the same person. I, whatever I had planned for 2020, when I look at the election cycle that we just had, um, which was challenging, um, just in terms of like a lot of the racial tension. And then I look at things like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and and like, and uh, Breonna Taylor. And it just seemed like this time last year in the African-American community, it was like, boom, boom, boom. You know, like it was just waves of, just trauma, and it got to the point, and, and what I started to see on social media, like the word that kept popping up, the most, the two words that kept popping up the most was tired and exhaustion. They're like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, like I, I, I cannot. So the psychic toll that all of that was taking. I'm gonna pivot here because here's one of the things, listeners, that I know several of you have businesses that you're trying to grow and scale and things like that, and and many people think they want to be famous. They think they want all the followers and all the things, but that comes at a high price because what I want to know is how are you as an African-American woman looking at all of these things that are happening, but you have this very public persona, you know, Team USA, you know, sort of thing. And it's like, so how are you balancing this public Team USA thing with, Okay, there's some real traumatic things happening in my community, and I'm and I need to like address and deal with that.
1: Yeah, I, I okay, because Dr. Shante and my in my head were friends. So tell, um, it, tell, <laughs> it, tell it, say it. <laughs> Even though it was a shock to the whole world, those things that we were seeing is not a shock to me. Right, this is normal life for Black people. Yeah you're just now able to see it in the world. How many times we know what shootings or what happened in the neighborhood that just doesn't make it to the news, right? Mm-hmm. So that's normal. And so the only thing that's different mm-hmm. is now we actually get to keep seeing the videos and everything over and over again. And and that's a lot to, to, ha- to keep having to see it over and over again. So I, I didn't watch TV as much to see all of that, but I'm at the same time like, oh, another person got shot. Unfortunately, that's all. That's normal in, the, in our community and it shouldn't be. So when I decided to speak out about it on social media, I had to really pick my words wisely because I know that words are powerful mm-hmm. and what I can say can help people or I can deliver and help and add more hurt to the situation. And so I took the approach to give my truth as a Black woman, how I feel and things that I actually had experienced. Because don't think just because I'm an Olympic gold medalist that I am exempt from the fact that I'm Black every day. Tell it. I'm not. I still deal with all these things until I say my name. They're like, oh, wait, that name sounds familiar. Then they go do a quick look on the phone. I thought that was you. Now you want to act different with me because now you know that my name has something else behind it Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't be the case. But your first look at me, you see this black woman and you make assumptions. So I addressed that part and then I went into like how I felt about that. But then I went into like what God thinks about this and where God stands on this. Mm -hmm. And for me, if we all are calling ourselves Christians, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everybody, you calling yourself a Christian, but you are struggling actually showing what God says in his word about um, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's like, he, he says that so many times in his word. He's like, if you don't remember nothing else, Remember Remember to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Like that goes together. But people forget to love your neighbor because in their mind, their neighbor is only the person who lives next door to them. Mm. And people forget the definition of what the word neighbor is. So I kind of went into that, like, listen, when God sees me, he don't see me no different than how he sees you. We all the same. He died for all of us. So for you to think at any point in time, that how you should be treated should be different than how I t- should be treated then you misunderstand what God talks about in his word because number 1 what he judges us on none of us can see so i, I so i kind of by I said it a little nicer little, little 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 nicer but i wanted to show the love like at the end of the day people may not like me because of the color of my skin but i i choose to show love anyway because that's what Christ did. And if I'm supposed to be a Christian, I'm going to still show you that. I'm going to give you that forgiveness. And guess what? I'm willing to help you have this conversation so that you can see where you could go wrong. And then maybe you can point something out to me because I could still learn in this situation as well so we can get better together. I want to help you so you can help us so we can help each other.
0: The ch- the choir will now render an A and B selection. Come on, choir. You know, I hear I hear them humming, harmonizing in the back. So Michelle is laughing because while she's talking, I done pulled out the, the tambourine um, on her and just gave her a good high praise. Uh, listeners, a few things here. It is important to choose your words because it is very emotional what's happening in the world. It's very emotional. I had a, I mean, I had a session with my therapist yesterday and she's like, so what's going on with you? And I'm like, Racial trauma. I said, I, I said it's it's tough for me. You know, we sat and we watched the um the outcome of the George of the Derek Chauvin trial, right, and yeah. the murder of George Floyd. And I just remember on the run up to it, my chest was tight because I just felt like I could not take another. You know what they say in the whiz, don't you bring me no bad news. I couldn't take no more bad news about yes. <laughs> this issue. You know, and it's like, and then afterwards. Yeah, some people were like clapping, but most people were just relieved. They were just relieved that I don't have to go and tell my child and explain why this happened or why this is going on in the world. Like it just was a a sigh of of relief. But yet that same day, Micaiah Bryant, this girl got killed, four shots to the chest. And I have a child her age. I have a daughter her age. And I couldn't shake it, y'all. I could not shake it. I said, it it, it hit me. Michelle said, yeah, I got an Olympic gold medal, but you don't know that when you look at me right off the bat. And it shouldn't matter. I'm a human being. You know, I'm a person that, I, that deserves life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and all the things that the Constitution promises. And as a mother, I said, you know what? you do all of these things to try to get your education and try to get yourself a good job and move to a nice neighborhood and send your child to a good school and you dot all the I's and you cross all the T's and you do the happy Sambo and the hot cha-cha and none of that exempts you (laughs) from being on the wrong end of police brutality. And so I start, I've been wrestling with that. I'm still wrestling with that. I'm like, you know, I know racism is universal, but expat life is looking better every day. I I don't know that I can spend 12 months in these yet to be United States y'all. But no, I appreciate you taking up your platform to say that. And also being willing to extend yourself to others because that is growth. Everybody's not there yet. Some people are like, look, I don't even have the bandwidth to try to help you over the river. Let me just... Just leave me alone. You know, so I appreciate that. And I'm curious now that you bring it up, what has been the vibe, quote unquote, in USATL? Have people been empathetic? Because there are a lot of Black athletes in track and field. Like, that's, you know, that we don't, okay, so let me say this. I'm gonna make this joke. You don't see us in the steeplechase, y'all. Y'all don't see us in... <laughs> You don't see no. too many of us <laughs> in them long distance races, you know. But if we sprinting, if we hurdling, if we shot putting, and that sort of thing, long jumping or triple jumping, that's where you see us at. So, what has been the the kind of sentiment within that community regarding these issues?
1: Yeah. So, the, the one of the great things about USATF that we have great representation pretty much on every level of our organization because not only do you have uh, our sport is predominantly black and you have the same amount of males and females, especially when you make the teams because our positions for males to females are even. And then uh, our CEO is black. Our COO is black. Um, <laughs> and that it was the first time for USATF to have that. So we have great representation on that field. So when these things happen, the problem kind of comes in between like, Okay, USATL feels one way, but then we're still under the USOPC's umbrella, which is the U.S. Olympic Committee, um, Mm -hmm. Paralympic and Olympic Committee, and so you still almost have to kind of ride the line of like, okay, we still represent more than just ourselves, Um, but for the most part, our our organization has been behind us ever, um, every step of the way. And we have that support amongst each other. So we know, like at USITF, we feel like we're at home. We don't feel left out or, or like we don't belong because the majority is us. And that's unusual for a lot of sports, um, that people play, depending on where you live too. But in our, in our realm, it's like, okay, we, we the majority in this one. <laughs> Who run the
0: world? No, I'm playing. Okay. Right? Um, but... <laughs> no, that's good to know because, and, and, and what, is important about that is because in a former presidency, which shall not be named or mentioned, there was a sentiment of like, hey, just shut up and play your sport. Or hey, just shut up and entertain me. And so I'm glad that you guys are not having to navigate those battles. So now that that, and I want to clear some things up because people tend to have a lot of misconceptions. You know, I think about a Michael Phelps, a Simone Biles, and I'm like, that's great. But you know, all all Olympians, all medalists don't end up on the Wheaties box. You know, all Olympians are not like with these multi-million dollar endorsements. So can you clear up some of like the, the most commonly held myths about the Olympics and, you know, what it means after you get the gold medal? Because people tend to think like, oh my gosh, you set for life. Is it like that? If,
1: educate us, Michelle. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I wish. I wish. (laughs) like, If you were in track and field or trying to be an Olympian because you think you're about to get some money because you got a medal, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Actually, you might be distraught because you train so hard, you spend so much time, you give so much in this sport or any Olympic sport, and then that payout you think you're going to get financially just doesn't happen so there are a handful of athletes who are those mega superstars in track and field right and like you you mentioned some of them but then there's a lot of other people you would never know are olympic gold medalists silver medalists bronze medalists and you will never know who they are and so the reality especially for my event and for for women's shots worldwide we were at the bottom like we were one of the very we, the only other Olympic medal we have in my event since women's shot put started in 1948 is by Erling Brown in 1960. And she has hey. a bronze medalist, a brown, bronze medal. Wait, are you the first gold medalist? In- I am the first gold, uh, oh. uh, first American woman to win. <laughs> <laughs> I am the first. So, You know, that that tells you a lot that there's a lot of things that had to happen because you also have to deal with the fact that here I am, a woman who throws this heavy ball as far as I can. It's not the sexy sport. Everybody's not looking. And they ain't going to see what the shot putters are doing. They're not checking for us like that. So... It's, it's a struggle, especially for the females to stay in the sport when they struggle to make money. And this is one of the events where you develop over time. The older you get, you're better. So once you start hitting mid mid to late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, you're at your prime. And so a lot of athletes can't even afford to last in the sport that long after college because they do not have the financial backing to do it. Um so they normally have to work and you can only work and train at the level you need to train for so long before you give up on one and a lot of the females give uh, give up track and field because they like I could just make more money doing this and it'll just make it easier for my life if I did that.
0: So you heard it from the horse's mouth, y'all. Don't, don't be out in these streets, you know, doing your stretches and your back arches thinking you about to, you know, pull down these multi million dollar deals. I'm not trying to kill your dream, but nobody makes it to the Olympics by themselves. Michelle can attest to that, that people have teams and there's the training team, but then there's also especially if you're at the level of, you know, Michael Phelps or Simone Biles, you got that other team, the team that's working the endorsements for you, that's making those phone calls and and trying to leverage your brand and squeeze every drop of that 15 minutes of fame out of this whole thing. And so that's a whole other process. But but don't go into it, y'all, thinking like, oh, I know you paid. You got that gold medal and, you know,
1: you could turn that in. That's probably worth a million dollars. It ain't. Yeah, I no. <laughs> Like, it yeah, is not. No. We, You know what? And that's one thing we have been trying to push because a lot of the other countries if you're an Olympian in those countries, they take care of you. Not just like, not your federation, but the country takes Ooh. care of them. So if you get a medal, for some people you might get some land, you might get a house, you might get some money from your country to have that support to represent your country on a world stage. So um unfortunately, Team USA is not like that, but you know Girl, that was still way,
0: though, not 40 acres in a mule so we ain't even gonna have that
1: conversation listen we don't,
0: don't want to talk about that we ain't gonna talk about <laughs> that. Um, so as we as we wrap up as we bring to a close i will say this listeners one of the things i appreciate about michelle she and i both love the lord and that i mean if we can start from there you know that that's a beautiful place to be and i just want you to share with the listeners just kind of like the role because I think you've alluded to it a little bit already what role your faith plays in all the things because as you said it's a it's not just a straight uphill climb it's some it's some peaks and some valleys it's some highs and some lows some days you have a great day and you'd be like man I killed that another days you'd be like ooh, yeah no um and so how do you find the wherewithal you know like what role is is faith playing in, in this this that you're doing
1: yeah, so uh, faith plays a big role, um, especially uh, in 2016, when I really realized um, where my faith was. Um, I thought I had more faith in what I had, and I didn't. And then God put me through a whole test three months before the Olympic trials of me getting hurt, having a herniated disc in my back, not even barely being able to walk. So three months later, winning the Olympic gold medal. Oh my and gosh. talk about a, <laughs> yes. So talk about a faith journey in that alone. And I realized that any hard time I come across is not to take me out, is not to put me down. God is putting me in a position to show me how much he has my back when I rely on him. And so when I come across a hard time, I remember and how he got me through 2016. So I know I cannot do anything by myself. And when, just when I try to, I realized like, Michelle, you're working too hard. Let me go back again. and let me go pray. Let me see what God says about this and really let him guide me. Cause that's what he wants us to, wants us to do anyway. He said, um, um, oh man, well, of course I'm gonna not have the verse, but, um, Your strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, no, not that one about how he directs our path. Yes. He directs our path and, and, and that's hard for some of us, especially when you're very goal oriented and you have all these goals for your life. But you gotta remember that he directs your path. And so I go into the path that I think that he's directing me in and then I wait for him to change it if that's what he decides to do. And so just trying to put that, that weight and that burden back on him and not on me, because I know that my life is for his glory, not mine. So. it helps me put everything back into perspective because even though I'm living this life, I will get accolades. People will say whatever they want to say about me, but I'm here to bring him glory. And if I can't do that in any part of my career, then I have to really question who and what am I doing this for?
0: Wow. That is so powerful. That is, we can, we can offer the benediction. Um. (laughs) May the Lord watch between. No, I'm just. <laughs> but no, <laughs> seriously, and and that's what it is, folks. You know, as we come out of this pandemic, and as we think about all of the things, you know, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, but His steps are, but our steps are ordered by Him, and I think that sometimes with all of the things that are happening there's a temptation to want to try to like manage it. You know, I know there are a lot of people like me. I'm like Janet Jackson, control. Like, I just want to make make sure, you know, that I've dotted all the I's and and crossed all the T's. But as we said, there are some things that are just beyond. Okay, we living on grace and mercy, truly living on grace and mercy. And so for you to to medal, not just a medal, but gold medal three months out of a herniated disc, you know, God can make a dollar out of 15 cents. He can hit straight lines, y'all. You know, that's a testimony (laughs) right there. So how can people find you on social media? How can we support you right now?
1: So you can follow me at all, pretty much I'm Shot Diva on everything. And my website is shotdiva.com and um, I'll keep you all updated as much as possible.
0: Yes. So Shot Diva, y'all like shot put S-H-O-T Diva and the Diva part. She's quite the makeup artist, but we don't even have time to get into that today. Like she looks fabulous right now. I look like I just like the cat drug something in. Um, so I'm so glad that this is audio (laughs) and not video, but thank you all so much. So please follow Michelle at Shot Diva. And if you guys have any questions, comments, takeaways, all that good stuff, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says, and no matter what, Go Team USA. We are definitely going to be rooting for you and everybody else that's going to be competing in the Olympics this year. God bless. Thank you.